Hello and welcome to Box Cutters Summer Edition. Mm, a chance... Boy, boy, it's hot, isn't it? Oh, oh tell me about it. How about that cricket? I'm melt. Oh, oh, Warney. Yeah. yeah. Damn, he retired last year. I've already, I've already threw him. Warney died. No, he retired. <laughs> well, he, he could have died. I mean, it is, it is 2008. He's <laughs> <laughs> ever Old Lang uh, <laughs> I've broken all my resolutions already. I can't believe it. Box Cutter Summer Edition is a chance for you, the listener, to hear a more in-depth interview. With uh, with some of our guests, mm. uh, we've got some guests coming in, especially for the summer edition, and mm. uh, and hopefully you'll learn a lot more about uh, their careers and uh, and what they do for a living. This week, you know what? It's it's on the blog. It's it's there on your iPod if you want to see who's who the guest is. I just want to say uh, what, what a pleasure it was to have him in the studio and how uh, amazing it was to see a parade of people walk past the studio. To get a glimpse of the man. So, uh, without further ado... And, and also, also it's, these are pre-recorded interviews. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't realise that. Here I am, stuck in from 2008. The, but the, from the, 1987. <laughs> the intros aren't. The intros are live, live, live. Oh, we came into the studio to do the... To do the intro for, for the pre-recorded... And if you're a very clever, very astute, big fan of box colours, you might r- know when this episode was recorded. So, with, uh, without further ado, our, our first guest for Box Cutters Summer Edition. Our guest in the studio today is a man who has been a large part of Australian television history for the last 20 years. He's done uh, Henderson Kids, The Factory, uh, Home and Away, and most recently, Play School. I am, of course, talking about Alex Paps. Welcome to Box Cutters. Thank you, Josh. Thank you very much. Now, really, I mean, I wasn't lying when I said that. You've been a huge part of Australian television history, but but still, uh, still, we, we don't see you everywhere. You're not William McInnes. Um, I think that you're being... I'm flattered. I think you're being very kind. Um, anyway, I'd like to think that those things that I've been part of, um, I mean, I think they were particularly things like the factory and the Henderson kids and, and certainly play school. I mean, they are, particularly play school, mm. a really important part of the, you know, fabric, if I use the word, you know, uh, of Australian television history. Um, I suppose over the last 10 or so years, I've been, part, partly because I think there's not, there have been a lot of opportunities in TV, particularly, mm. um, but I've been mainly involved in the theatre for the last sort of 10 or so years. So, um, but but I'm most flattered that you that you say that I'm part of history. Well, I, I think it's I think it's <laughs> part my, of I mean, history. It has a, <laughs> and it, you know, it, it one, was, one could get uh, carried away with oneself. Really, <laughs> it was cemented for me a, a couple of years ago when, when you started working for Play School, mm. and uh, and you know, Play School has always been seen as uh, the the stronghold of the great Australian talent. Mm. We, we've always seen our best actors go to play school and and excel there. And, and that's always been kind of the the, uh, the mark of whether whether or not you've, na- you've made it. Look, and, and, and I could not be more thrilled, you know, uh, to be part of it. Um, and, and on that score, I mean, you're right, there have been some amazing people go through play school and to be, to be actually part of that group of people is... Um, is an amazing thing. Aside from the sentimental attachment, I mean, like it's it's still quite surreal to turn up on set, 
and be you know handling the toys and and uh, it's you know it is extraordinary. I still have little moments of getting a bit choked up. Think my, you know when I'm doing the um, the <laughs> Nice ladies out there having a little peek in the studio. <laughs> yes, um, we'll talk about that later. Um, the other, I was just up in Sydney recording some episodes, and um, I was doing the win- the windows voiceover. And you know, is it the round window? Is it the arched window? And and I just caught myself. I had moments of going, "My God, I can't believe it! I'm you know doing play school. I'm doing the windows voiceover. This is amazing." And doing it with uh, with Rue. From uh, well, yes, from home and away. With, um, so was Bobby outside uh, the studio shaking her fist at you? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that as well. Uh, I mean, particularly my, my first episode of Play School was with Justine, and, and we are, are very old, close friends, but have not worked with each other since um, the Rue and Frank days of Home and Away. So that that added a whole other layer to it. Uh, not only was I, you know, beginning on this amazing show, but I got to do it with one of my best friends and yeah it was very special mm. can i ask you uh can you move a tiny bit closer to your mic you can and thank you can i ask and you you're slightly masked by uh ross's mic stand i'm just i'm not getting the full con- oh, that's it that's how's, it how's yeah. that, that mm. yes, is that yes. No, no now see ross you're ruining it now yeah, no, no, now see now i now i now i have a line of sight okay yeah, i that's feel good. like we're together now mm. <laughs> Uh, so, so you do, can I also say now, box cutters listeners are going to be sick of me saying this. Justin Clark, the surgeon, mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest Australian shows of the last five years, easily. Well, I only saw. Uh, I'm ashamed to say, I only saw a couple of the surgeon uh, shows. Uh, look, I'm also obviously a friend of Justine, but I'm a huge fan. She's a, she's a fantastic mm. actress, um, and I but, think but what, again, what they tried to do with that show was um, was was wonderful, and, and it's a shame that they weren't able to kind of keep doing it. Mm. And a, again, a, a, a fantastic actor like yourself, who hasn't had all that much work since the since the the, the days of Home and Away. Mm. Uh, do you think there's there's a, an issue? I mean, obviously, Home and Away, Neighbours, they're great for for Australian television because they give lots of actors mm. lots of work and lots mm. of regular work, uh, but. Do you think there's a problem when our best actors then are just seen as being from a soapy? And do you think there's a kind of a what less, is, res- uh, less respectability there? Or um, well, look, I think that's I think that's an unf- I think that happens. I think there is a stigma still attached to you know uh, being part of a soapy or being a long running actor on a soapy or but I, which I think is unfortunate because. No one, even the people involved in putting together those serials, no one is saying this is supposed to be Shakespeare or that this is a feature film. It is, it, it's a serial and it is, not meant f- it is not meant for, you know, high intellectual sort of stimulation and mm. argument. But I think the, 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 the sad thing is that in the state that the industry is in, you're right, it, they, it does provide, those shows do provide a lot of opportunities for people and work. They are, you know, it's such a cliche to say it, but they are great training grounds. They can breed um, bad habits uh, with, with, with in, in terms of performance as well. Um, but I was actually just having a conversation with um, one of the scriptwriters from Home and Away because I was just up in Sydney recently for Kate Ritchie's Farewell thing. <sighs> And we were talking about, you know, writing for serial and, and the, the problems around having to keep coming up with, you know, hooks for stories and the fact that there are stock stories that keep being reintroduced, which, you know, surprise, surprise, is the way it's been since the year dot. I mean, that's, you know, there are old stories. There mm. are stock stories that keep being told and it's because they're important. Look, I, I, think, I think soap 
uh, I think there's a great responsibility with it because it's so popular and because it reaches a lot of people. And I think, you know, all power to the people who are working in their butts off trying to make it as good as they can. Um, and I think all respect should be given to everyone involved in it. It does seem hard, though, for actors to make the step away from that uh, to other Australian drama. Uh, it, it seems to be from Neighbours or Home and Away you do have to... Uh, go overseas where less people know you rather than... Yeah, and I think that's that's a sad sort of uh, fact. I mean, our, our industry is small. Yeah. Um, and it's cheap to buy overseas product. It's cheaper to buy an episode of NCIS than it is to make an episode of All Saints, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just pulling that out of the air, but it's, it's true. A, a crying it's a, shame. Yeah, it is. It is. And look, and look I, th- I think... I don't, I'm sort of loath to say it out loud in case it puts the mockers on it, but I feel like things are slowly... There seem to be a few more things on the boil and a few more things in development and and God willing with our new administration, which traditionally tend to be a bit more arts friendly, I th- I think I don't want to say it too loudly, but I think it's things that are going to change. But, but we can, we can see those those trends happening at, mm. at the moment with uh, Channel Seven starting a new production uh, this year. They started City Homicide last year, which means next and year it's they're going to have again, which is good. Uh, yeah. Next year they're going to have three uh, three local one hour dramas. Canal mm. Road on Channel Nine Canal, and Canal Road Underbelly. Underbelly. Mm. Uh, satisfaction, mm. bit of Fox style. Uh, mm. Well, Satisfaction we'll talk about next week. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the so so it, it does look to be going that way, but. We've seen this before as well. We've seen this about five years ago and we saw it about ten years ago. Uh, there's excitement in the industry and, and, and things get put up there and, and attempts are made. Uh, and then the, the network heavies lose faith suddenly for, mm. for what seems to be no good reason for where mm. we're standing. Uh, so, yes, I don't think by saying anything you're going to put the moz on it because I've seen the pattern mm. happen happen a lot. But... These opportunities for, for Australian actors to, to get work is always going to be fantastic. And, and for Australians mm. to tell Australian stories of course, yeah. on, on our screens. Uh, can we go back? Let's go back Let's in time. Go back. Let's go back in time. How old were you when you did The Henderson Kids? Uh, I was 17. And that, that really just put you in the spotlight instantly. I mean, did anyone think that a, a kids show was going to be that successful? Well, there had been Henderson Kids 1. So yes. I guess the answer is they hope so. Right. Because Henderson Kids 1 had been, um, from memory, it had been quite a successful and popular show uh, when it was aired in 85, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the hope was there that uh, it was going to do as well, and, I, and I, th- I think it did. I mean, it certainly people, I mean, I meet people all the time who remember it incredibly fondly, yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, uh, how, how, how was that for you, though? I mean, you... Grew up in uh, the Dandenongs yeah. in Australia, mm. in Melbourne, and uh, and you there. You've done some acting. Mm. Uh, you auditioned for this role. You get the role. So, so what did you done before that? Just well, before before Henderson Kids Two, I'd done uh, little uh, small bits and pieces on TV, like mm-hmm. I mean, little you know, two day roles on Neighbours and yep. Yep. Uh, the odd thick bit here. Lots of I mean, stuff at school, mainly stuff at school. You know, yep. that was my drama drama involvement. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and then suddenly. Your pin-up in TV Week. Um, well, that, I guess... Do they have pin-ups anymore in TV Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just... You've got old... You've grown I out have, of it. I've grown out of it. <laughs> you can, it's all still there for you if you right. want to revisit. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it was... Well, I suppose when Henderson Kids went to air in 87, it was... It, I mean, that kind of publicity thing did... That did start to filter into my life. But it was really when Home and Away started that it... 
um, it, that kind of thing took off. And look, I look back on it uh, and sort of marvel that I experienced it. But it was at that my experience of being that age was that uh, as great as it all was, you know, what I was doing. I don't think anyone really has any idea of who they are at 17. I certainly yep. didn't. And yet in that context, you are presented with this uh, profile that is based upon this this thing called acting and this thing called character that you do and based on what other people think you should be to sell their magazines. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean that to sound cynical, but that is, that's, you know, they're creating an impression of someone um, and in my case, that had very little to do with who I was actually, in you know, actuality. Yeah. So, as far so you as weren't tearing around the streets of Denton on the new BMX. No, uh, no. In, in, in a gang of BMX, <laughs> no, BMX no. riders. As much as you on, might have picking on neighbourhood hoped kids. that that was the case. No, no, no. I was very demure, and, you know, <laughs> young man. Um, Look, there were lots of there were lots of really f- positive things about that the public profile thing. But look, I was very fortunate. I came from a very grounded family. I had a very healthy sense of the absurd, even at the age of seventeen. So I didn't. I was lucky in that I did not buy into it. I did not believe that this, you know, because at, at its peak, you know, you, you're on the t- cover of TV Week a lot, and there's the you know all the hoo ha around the show, and you know, in certain contexts, you go out, and there are lots of you know adolescent girls screaming at you, sc- you know, baying for your blood or other precious parts of you know it's like me anatomy. Every day, so, Alex. so, every so day. i mean that, that you can i can i could you can understand how that it was and is very a very seductive part of you know that uh, that world but i was fortunate not to have bought into it and which meant that i could actually enjoy it uh but exist separately from it as well if that makes sense which i, yeah. I don't think a lot of people have that opportunity i don't think a, a lot of people who go through that mm. see it in that way, yeah, and look, and, and, it, well, look, and look, the other thing too, it wasn't. Whenever they people wrote about it in the TV Week, you know, Alex Pabs mobbed by fans wherever he goes. It was actually not true. If I went to a you know a, an official kind of Channel Seven function or a telephone, then, then yes, there were lots of people, and it was mm. did get quite intense. But in the main, I mean, I, I led a, a fairly normal existence too. My experience of fame in that period was pretty. Uh, um, Relatively sedate, I guess. Do you and think it's become worse for, for today's for those kinds of? Yeah. Um, like I think it, it seems there's a lot more paparazzi around, and yeah, there's I, a lot I more glossy it, magazines, I and think a lot it more pictures. Probably and, has, yeah. I think it probably has, and I think the pitch of to use Home and Away as an example. I think the pitch of Home and Away is much more commercial than it was even in the commercial days of 1988. I mean, that someone showed me um, footage of the pilot the other day. And it was intercut with some modern footage of the show now, and just the—I mean, it's—it's it's dated. I mean, the the, the 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 quality of the videotape has dated mm. it so much. It's grainy and it's kind of you know compared to the you know high resolution stuff of today. But it'll be, it'll be the same with uh, with sound effects creating the atmosphere and yeah. and all of that has has changed so much. But it was a, but the and the style of the show was different. I mean back mm. in the beginning it, it was just about a foster family and the people that within that community it was it was more uh a lot of the same stories to be honest but there was a I guess a gentility to it or or there was a gent there was a gentility to the look of it in those days whereas now it's you know the lighting is much more intense I think although I think they've scaled that back a bit now. Um yeah, interesting. And mm-hmm. you've been back to Home and Away a, a few times since... I went back in 91 for about six weeks, and then I went back for two 
reunion episodes. One was uh, one of wedding. Sally's aborted weddings and <laughs> um, and a, a Summer Bay sesquicentennial or something. R- right. Yeah. The, mm. I have to say that I saw the uh, the Sally's wedding. Uh, there was a double episode, I think, or a, a two episodes, um, you know, in days back to back. Yeah. Uh, that was some of the most fun home and away I'd seen in in a long time. Not only because it was the reunion of all these uh, all these characters that I had watched when I was when I was you know in high school watching yeah. Home and Away every night, uh, but also because it seemed like the writers, the actors, everyone involved was having the most fun with it. Which was it? Sally's uh, the Spencer S- McLaren wedding or the happy wedding? With, no, 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 uh, no the, Flynn. The 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 sad wedding where uh, where the uh, the. Uh, was it Spencer McLaren who? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Who then uh, you and he'd been sleeping around or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. and what's his name beat him up on the beach, and uh, oh, that's right. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> very, very butch. It was. It, it was. <laughs> and uh, and it, it, it was it was fun. I think for those reasons that the the writers were having fun with it, the the cast was having fun with it, the audience could have fun with it. Uh, and it was it was fun to do. I mean, look, the, our actual involvement in the story was, you know, as you know, minimal. But the experience of going back and, and seeing some of the old people and, in fact, I was just telling the story to someone the other day of, of going back to Pitt Town where the church, where everyone gets married in Summer Bay. Mm. And it was also Wandon Valley too, Pitt Town. And I hadn't been back to Pitt Town since one of Frank's aborted weddings, you know, <laughs> back in 1988 or whatever. And I'd come out of the makeup truck. Truck. It was you know six a.m. or something. There was a mist over the street, and I had a clear line of sight from the caravan through the mist to the old church, which which I'd not laid eyes on you know for fifteen, sixteen years or whatever. And it was quite surreal because nothing had changed. I was back in that context again, and then I turned around and Sheila Kennelly walked out of the va- out of another van who played Floss, who was back for the episode. And she had not... She was a vampire or something because she looked exactly the same, (laughs) dressed in exactly the same kind of flowery gypsy frock or whatever. And I kind of did a double took and went, my God, this is... It's surreal. Wonderful to kind of be able to revisit that that feeling. So it was incredibly nostalgic and fun and, you know, lots of good parties and stuff, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Aside from the hard work of telling the story, yeah. Why Why did you leave Home and Away the first time? Um, I think part of the reason was I think because I had a high profile with it, I was concerned that if I didn't leave then, I'd, I'd never be able to get another job um, doing something you know different mm-hmm. as an actor. And, mm-hmm. and I, look, I was lucky in that I left Home and Away and walked into Flying Doctors for a year yep. straight afterwards. Um, and look, there have been times when I've thought, you know, maybe I should have just stayed. It would have done, actually, it would have done no harm Mm. to have stayed for, you know, five years. It mm. would actually have done no harm in the scheme of things because, as it is, I was there for 15 months for the first part first part of the show's life. And that's probably, in terms of people who come up and approach me on the street, Home and Away is probably the first thing that they will reference. Yep. So, really, you know, I, I could have stayed a little bit longer. Only, mm. fif- only 15 months? 15 months for the first time, yeah. Really? Wow. Uh, because I, I imagine, you know, you as sort of 17, 18, uh, it must be great money as well. Yeah. And, for, and for a kid that age. It, oh, absolutely. And it was, it was utterly meaningless too. Yeah. And I, say, I don't say that lightly. I mean that it's, well, from my experience of earning good money when I was 17, 18, 19, it was, it, but it was meaningless. It, I mean, it was kind of, and, and I say that, you know, um, 
you know, uh, advisedly to all the young folks out there who might be about to embark on a soap career for a couple of years is that uh, because it was just the norm, um, one's understanding of money and how to manage it uh, mm. was well, nil, really. Yeah. You know? yeah. But yeah, it did pay very well. Mm. Mm. And, uh, and for a while you, you were doing five days a week on Home and Away and then flying down to Melbourne to do the to factory. To do the factory, yeah. What kind of schedule is, is that for? It was um, <laughs> it was it was incredibly intense, and I look back on it and marvel that I didn't uh, expire. Um, the first, I think, the first six months of doing that commuting was um, intense, and I didn't, I don't re- remember coping that well with it because I was actually never anywhere really. I, right. I was I was in Sydney staying in a flat or so at someone's house, you know, for a few days. I'd finish on set, I'd fly to Melbourne, I'd do the show live. I might see my family, I might see some friends, maybe, and then fly back and start again. So it got to a point where I I, I say I lived in Sydney for a year, but really I didn't live in Sydney for a year. I, I lived sort of in two places. And it, it did, relationships in both Melbourne and Sydney suffered because I was never really in one place. Mm. And so that there was the odd occasion when, you know, there was a pilot strike or I missed a flight or um, and I got to stay in Sydney for a weekend, which was you know, I said I would miss doing the factory, but it meant that I actually was able to sort of, you know, hang out and, you know, be a young man. And for, for those who don't know, the factory was really the, the first of the ABC shows that... Post-Countdown. Post-Countdown yeah. that mm. came before Countdown Revolution, came before Recovery, yeah. mm. uh, came before Channel Line's attempt, Saturday at Rick's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and and really kind of paved the way and, and, and gave a format to, to what all those shows could do. Uh at the time, did, did you think, oh, we're just doing a variety show? Or did you think this is stuff that uh, that we're doing that, that is going to pave a, a way for the future? Um, I didn't... I don't recall thinking thinking about it in those terms. I was really excited to be part of something because I grew up on Countdown, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was very excited to be part of something that, that was essentially born from that, you know, from that... Uh, um, from that... Um, <laughs> Should I explain to yeah, them? Yeah. The reason for my hesitation is uh, Sam Pang's just put his head in the window and has, we've made the drinky, drinky motion. Ah, uh, nice um, one. So, uh, yes. People will see that on a video podcast. Yeah, yeah. There, is, there is no video podcast. Yeah, um, yeah but, and, and, and most of the people, most if not all of the crew on a factory were all countdown people. Right. So, you know, the conversations I had with people about, you know, when Bowie came on and when McCartney came on and when these people left their syringes on the floor and this, I mean, like, you know, that that it'd be a real shame if Rip and Lee ever gets raised for flats because they, those buildings, I mean, they're historic, you know, those old studios are fantastic at the ABC. Um, I was very, very young. I'd done no kind of to-camera presentation before, let alone live TV and... Um, the learning curve was enormous. Andrew had done a little bit of... He'd, he'd presented Cartoon Connection, I think, in those days. And so, yeah, I don't recall thinking about it in that way. Um, it was probably really later when people approached me and said, you know, we really loved the factory. It wasn't just, you know... I mean, it, it was... We had the live bands and, and the... When bands came in, they sang live. There, was, there were rules about it. There was no question of them lip-syncing. It was... They were proper sound checks... And they played and live a, as well. Yeah, the there was a great, yeah, yeah. There was a great pride in, in if you got on, if you were on the factory, you played live. Wow, which was brilliant, brilliant. Aside from all that, we had all the video clips and we had all the comedy stuff that Tanya did and and Karen Lang did all the great reporting and she's she's still here. She's still, she's still, 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 still 
all the great reporting and music research and stuff. And and look, and I, and I met some amazing people on the factory. Um, uh, you know, I met Kim Wilde, and I mean, it's not it's not a name that people go crazy about now. But in you know, in nineteen eighty eight, eighty seven, Kim Wilde was still you know, you know, Fox. Jermaine <laughs> <laughs> um, Jackson came on, and. Uh, Jermaine uh, Jackson, who was in uh, one of my favourite ever episodes of The Facts of Life. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Bros. I met Bros. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> that was Well, that was a huge day because... Um, all, all three of them? Or were they only two by that stage? No, no, no. Three. Right. Three. We're, the Bros thing was huge because we ran a competition to, for the studio audience to come in. And, you know, all the, it was, you know, a 99.9% adolescent girls who you know got into the competition and w- andrew and i were there in the morning and the girls were like sc- already screaming <laughs> not for us mind you but the, for, for the mm. impending arrival of bros and then we'd met the guys sort of backstage first and you know they were perfectly pleasant the very tall blonde Aryan looking twins and the smaller and the brunette one dr- drummer craig yeah <laughs> And suddenly Bross came on, and I swear to... I mean, I thought this must have been what it was like for the Beatles because you could not hear anything other than this white noise screaming sound. <laughs> and the looks on these girls' faces was t- terrifying because it wasn't... They, were, they weren't expressions of joy necessarily. It was almost of horror. Their, their excitement and the estrogen was so kind of rampant that it was almost like you know monk like you know you know at the disbelief that their idols were you know in the room with them it was very intense yeah but fun and i broke a golden rule apparently i um i got a friend of mine's brother was a fan of bros and i asked him to sign a uh, sign a some autographs and i got i got ticked off afterwards by the music researcher he said you never ask the talent for their autograph never ever and i went oh sorry i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I had a, a last year I was working for for Roving Enterprises and uh, Sonic Youth were a guest mm. on on Rove Live and yeah I I went through all the uh, all the kind of information knowledge telling me how to act when they're in the room mm. and because every, everybody knew I was a big fan of them and, and no you can't ask them to to get anything signed but uh, the the music producer can. And uh, and there will be some stuff signed, and there'll, there'll be some posters signed. And so, if you want to give us a, a CD cover, you can. Uh, but no, you, you can't talk to them, and you can't. Mm. And uh, I was just happy to be in the same room. Mm. You know, that's uh, they uh, had the same problem though with Sonic Youth—the screaming white noise just from you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can be uh, I can be pretty loud. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. see that. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want I want to talk about play school. Yeah, because. Uh, you know, again, we're talking about history of Australian television. Play mm. school is uh, the one mainstay. I think that we can all say we were brought up on. It's it's the first piece of of Australiana that that we get to see uh, on television mm. as as young people, and uh, and you get to work with the same toys that yeah. we got to see as as children. Yeah, and yeah. these these are things that in any other country they would already be in a museum. In the States, they would be in the Smithsonian. They'd be retired. Uh, when I, when they'd I did be next door to Aussie Ostrich. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. When I did my audition, um, I went to, flew to Sydney for it and, and walked into this big rehearsal room and, and I could see, you know, there was a piano a guy on the piano and um, some big coloured blocks and astroturf, and, you know, it was to look, you know, it was a, a mock-up set. 
and I was being introduced to various people, and but I was aware in my peripheral vision that there was this sort of line of colour or something on the floor, but I wasn't sort of looking at it. And finally, I'd finished meeting and greeting and looked down, and of course, there were all the toys. And the executive producer said, oh, yeah, we, we've brought in all the toys to greet you, you know, and greet people as they come in for their audition. And I was, it was... It was quite genuinely overwhelming to see them. I mean, the hero. I mean, the hero toys, particularly like Big Ted and Little Ted and, mm. Jemima, and Jemima and Humpty. Um, and I said, "Are these the toys?" And they said, "Yeah, they are." And I said, "Can I, can I pick up Little Ted?" And they said, "Yes, you can." And I, I, I mean, I dramatise now, but I fell to my knees. Well, I got down on my knees, yeah. but you know, I, I, I fell to my knees at the at the feet of Big Ted and a little Ted and picked him up. And it was and this is before the audition, so I was like, had all this. I had to, I had to actually focus for the audition. But I was like, I mean, I teared up. I thought, oh my god, it's. It was oh, it was strange, strange to be meeting these 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 thing these icons. Anyway, I did the audition and uh, you know and success and, and success, which was fantastic. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the the thing is, to me, it seems that. One of the reasons for Play School's success and longevity mm. is that uh, is that yes, it has things like the toys, it has things like the round windows, but it's presented in a way that uh, that can still be fresh for the for the new people watching it. That mm. they haven't developed this reverence for for these toys. As a performer who grew up with with all that, how hard is it to turn that off? Turn off the T- turn off the, the feeling of, of reverence and. Uh, and, and respect that you have for, for transforming back into well, toys. Well the, the, well, the reverence and respect for the show goes into making the performance as best, you know, as, as great as you possibly can, you know. And, um, otherwise, you know, if I was giggling and weeping and, you know, <laughs> going, I'm sorry, can we do it just one more time? It's just Big Ted's just looking at me with this. Reminds me when I was four. But... Um, so yeah, look, um, look. I, like I said earlier, I have little moments of of going, my God, I'm doing play school. This is extraordinary. But in the main, you know, it's it's a job, and and it's a deceptively difficult to kind. Of, I mean, I still feel like I mean, I've been do, I've done about eighteen episodes in the last two years, and it's st- working out that person, the, the version of Alex that is the play school Alex, which is me. But it is. It's also. But it's a. You know. It, it is a. It is a performance, and it requires um, uh, you to be very, very. You. I mean, that sounds so ridiculous to say, it, but it. it because the the trap is to make it very over the top and and sort of you know hello children and very you know sort of patronising. But uh, and it's also it's obviously primarily for the children. It's you know ninety ninety five percent of what you do in play school is for the kids. But there is also it is also being watched by parents and grandparents mm. and, and older kids, and and there is a there is a slight glint in the eye and the face that is for you know for the for the adults you know and there are little references that we make and little little asides that might happen in the moment that um are, you know part of its magic you know and it's it's done live to tape isn't it yeah I mean it's now they used to shoot an entire episode in one take but now I mean we, we film it in segments and some of the segments are quite long and might sort of traverse different parts of the set but uh, yes mm. there's there's no going back once once you've done it oh you, they'll they'll, it, they'll, oh, if they'll they'll do another take if it's you know if there's a disaster but generally even if, if there's a little slip up of a lyric or a little something sort of you know 
toy falls off the block or whatever, unless it's a disaster, they'll leave it because that's that's part of its charm yeah. too, you know. And kids enjoy that too. Kids get it when something's not quite right or... I mean, one of my first episodes, I made a slip up on a lyric and um, two of my friends, little kids who were, you know, then sort of five and three went, ah, Uncle Alex, you, you said the wrong words <laughs> on Ringa Ringa Rosie. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank, yeah. thank you. It's a song about the plague. Huh? Yeah. You like that? You like that bit of truth? Uh, sorry, Ross. Well, just while we're on, on it, do you get uh, much choice in which window gets go through? Gets gone through because there's not enough through the arch. Well, see now, what is it? This is this is someone could write a paper on this. I reckon eight out of ten people who comment on their favourite what well, their favourite window was as a child, it was the arch window. Yeah, without a including doubt. me. Now, why mm. is that? I think it's because it's the only one that isn't. Uh, it, it isn't a shape that we get shown very often. Yeah, see, that's it. Plus, it's got the best of the two shapes. It's part square, uh, it's, part it's circle. Part circle. Ah, so it's, okay. it's an average. So no, sometimes I mean, there's a script. You know, there's, a, there's but that's obviously you know I'm the sort of person who has put a lot of thought into. I, that. I see. Yes, maybe you need to diversify and you know, get out a little more, Josh. But um, you know, when we do the, the the windows, that there's a series of packages that you do a voiceover for, and you know, with the different options. But there was a day when I was last in Sydney where. Um, uh, I had the voiceover scripted to say, you know, is it the square window, is it the round window? But they didn't have the, um, they didn't know which one was going to come up on the, um, on the videotape. So they said, oh, they said, oh, look, just you know, whatever happens, just do it. And it was actually kind of, it was real, it was exciting. So I'm looking at them going, is it the round window? No. Is it the square window? No. Maybe it's the arch window? No. It's the <laughs> so it was some real genuine uh, moment of discovery with that one. It was great. Uh, with uh, with play school and being on play school, do you find yourself watching uh, preschool television from from other networks uh, from other countries and uh, and looking at things that they do right, things that they do wrong? I, I watch it. I mean, I don't make. I, I make a point of watching play school quite a bit because I want to see because I'm I've, I'm still learning. The ropes. I feel. I, you know. It's I feel. Great like to I'm see still, guy so I it. watch. I watch. You know, Jay and I watch Justine and I. Um, and you know, watch the other guys. And I'm actually really keen to get some of the old tapes of some of the, the you know the old apps that I used to watch. But um, as far as other preschool programming, um, lots of my friends have kids and they'll have High Five on or they'll have the Fairy Land. Well, I don't know what they're called, but they're fairies. Um, there's a wizard and a anyway. I, after, no, I don't know no what they call, but let's, anyway. let's say it's the Smurfs. <laughs> well, it's not the Smurfs. Well, we can it's, call it the Smurfs, but, but it's actually but it's not. It's not. Yeah. Um, and I'll watch. You know, I watch it with a different eye, and I, I guess that it, it highlights. Play school has its a very particular style that's um, very removed from that more hyper, uh, hyper real projected uh, energy that uh, some of those other shows have. I remember when I did the audition, the, the bit of direction that I got, which I thought was very, very useful and interesting, was that when you're looking down the barrel of the camera and asking a question or, or, or to just speaking, that you are imagining that you are having a conversation with one child, that you are not looking down the barrel and imagining a lounge room of ten kids. It's just one child. And that everything that you say has a little bit of air around it because kids talk to the television, you know, to, to talk to the TV. So if you ask a question, you know, do you like playing in the water? There's a moment that you allow them to actually go, yes, <laughs> I do, before you introduce the next concept or the next, you know, thought. Mm. 
Well, uh, yeah. with with that, Alex, I, I think we're uh, about out of time. Shame, I was I'd, enjoying myself. We can we can keep going. Yeah. We can keep going for as long as you want to. That's ask me another question. Or, sure. or, or you can come back for an aborted wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> Brett's uh, Brett's Brett's going to get married to someone from another studio, <laughs> and, uh, and that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. This is when the studio door flings open yeah. and someone says, "Josh, <laughs> surprise <laughs> wedding." Son of a- yeah. <laughs> so where where to? Uh, where to from here? I mean, play school. Play school to me, when, when you got the role in play school, to me, I, I just went, "That's it." You know, as as far as as far as heights in Australian television go, mm. that's that's the peak. Oh, it's a pretty good thing. Yeah. Uh, not to say that it's all downhill from here. That's mm. yeah. that's not where I'm going. But uh, you know, having having gotten to a place where you can really expose your talent as as much as you're doing and and draw on it and and mm. work through it uh is there is there more room for you in in australian television do you think we're moving well, towards i hope so i don't i mean look as i love play school but i i really want to um you know i'm hoping that next year there'll be other opportunities in tv and i've just finished studying theater direction at vca this year so i'm directing for red stitch in uh well we start in a second but it's for their um February season, uh, The Mercy Seat by Neil LeBute. So um, I really hope that there's more opportunities for me out there, uh, for, you know, for all of us out there in, in TV and film land over the next, uh, you know, coming years. Because the, the thing is, obviously, we are moving towards a, a, a trend to, to greater production and with things like Underbelly coming up. Mm. And, and it, it seems like we are finally taking that cue from the US from shows like like Deadwood, mm. uh, like The Sopranos, like Oz, where mm. actors really get to act, which we haven't had a lot of here well, I think on the, I think the big difference is that, um, well, it's such a huge marketplace over there and there's a lot more money floating around, but the amount of money that's poured into developing projects before they actually get shot, that's that, for me, I think, is the big difference, is that the amount of money poured into script development and drafting and redrafting and redrafting and getting it right before the mm. cameras roll seems to be the big difference. And it's not to say that it doesn't happen sometimes over here, but I think a lot of the time we're seeing things going to air that um, are not ready to go to air. And, and the script is everything. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you hear it, people bang on it about it all the time, but if the, if the words are not, you know, if the structure and the, the words are not right, then it's, it's over, really. And you were never tempted to try... The overseas market moved to the US or um, the UK. Look, it's well, that's a it's a complicated one. I would I would still love to do it, but it, it comes down to the the ways in which that's possible. Um, one is self funding it mm-hmm. because you can't unless you've got an American or a British passport, you can't work over there, mm. uh, or getting the green card lottery, or ideally being in something that gets some focus, gets some attention overseas. Yep. That's your entree card into that. I'd still like to do that. I think I'd. I've got the confidence to contemplate doing that now that I did not have 20 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And you were never tempted to uh, release a single? Um, well, funny you should mention that. I, I, it wasn't a question of being tempted by it, but I was asked. Um, really? uh, circa 1987 or something. I forget but, the company, but I was. Uh, so, uh, the so call came through. Was it SAW? Stockhaven no. and Waterman? Wasn't it? No. no. I, I mean, it was, I think, I can't remember. It was a, but it was a, it was a, 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 com- a record company that I'm you know, recognised, and the call came through, would Alex be interested in doing X, Y, and Z? And I just went, no, I don't think so. 
Yeah. Uh, probably, probably a good call. Mm. Probably. A good oh call. well, then absolutely. You know, now who knows? Well, you know. It, <laughs> well, let's see. On, on one hand, we've got Kylie, and on the other hand, we've got everybody else who's tried it. So yeah, possibly yeah. a good call. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon that's that's a good call. Mm. But you do you do sing? You do play guitar? I do. Do you dance? Do I dance? Um, because that's the only the, thing well, the answer being is, boy from Oz. Uh, yeah, no, the answer... Well, I did... I mean, I did dance and movement and things at drama school, and the thing with dance and movement for me is that I can do it, but I need to rehearse the living bejesus out of it. I need. I can't just get up and bust some fantastically sharp moves. As for, you know, casual social dancing, um, usually one or two wines are, are, are required... To, to loosen up that part of my creativity, but, Josh. But not recommended for night after <laughs> night on stage? <laughs> uh, no. But, a bit like a, you know, like I, I enjoy it. But it's, it's in terms of, you know, musical theatre or, you know, anything more formal, I, I can do it, but I need to, I need, I'm not a natural dancer. I need to be drilled with it, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, maybe a couple of wines. Maybe a couple of wines will put you in the uh, box cutters version of Boy From Oz. Well, I'd certainly I think be interested. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'd certainly be interested. Mm. But I, th- I think that... And a frilly shirt. We need the frilly oh, well, shirt. no question. The frilly, frilly shirt. Without a doubt. Mm. Alex, perhaps, thank you so much for, for no joining worries. us on, on Box Cutters. My it's pleasure. It's been a, a great trip. And we'll have to, uh, we'll have, to have you back on We're in a show where we don't just talk about your history, but talk about <laughs> television as a whole, because I know that you're a huge fan of a show that I hate, but... Am I allowed to say? You're, you're allowed to say. Cause we, we Josh and I have had this conversation. Uh, I think it, we were raving about um, Sopranos and, and uh, this is pre-Deadwood. We're saying, yeah, Sopranos is great. And I said, Josh, expecting him to kind of jump on board. Josh, and what about Six Feet Under? Isn't it just brilliant? And Josh just looked at me stony-faced and said, I can't discuss it. I won't discuss it. <laughs> so what do you mean? He doesn't like it. So this is the topic of Frank, yeah, frankly, I'm surprised you're Frank, still friends. Well, I think I think he's insane. I mean, I mean, they're very different shows, obviously. But why why don't well, you like is, it? Uh, well, I, in one okay, this is this is the game you have to play with me now. It's the five key word game. Okay. As to why you don't like Six Feet Under, you can't use hyphenated words. It's like bullet points. Right. Yeah? No synonyms. Go. Simplistic. Unsubtle, obvious, done, Alan Ball. What was the final one? A- Alan Ball. <laughs> That's two words. Yeah. So you disqualify. Failed. Failed. But frankly, you're out of your cotton pick. <laughs> and isn't, isn't uh, unsubtle and obvious the same thing? No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> they're not. Sure. Uh, the, uh, but do you like the five key word game? I do like the five yeah, word game. It's yeah. very hard. You're not, very, you're not very good at it yet. I <laughs> no, no, well, where's my practice? <laughs> you and me on Jeopardy, though. Huh? Let's try that. Uh, but I, I do want to have you back on so we can all talk right, about all the shows that you do love and that I love so we can really talk about how exciting they are together. Yeah, please. I think that, that would be great. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex Paps. Box cutters. Thanks so much to Alex Paps for coming in and, uh, and being our first ever guest on the Box Cutters Summer Edition. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree. What a fascinating career he's had, and uh, and and still only a tiny, tiny way through it, mm. which is uh, which is fantastic. Next week we will have <laughs> as our guest. So uh, so tune in and you know who's coming. In I I do I do know who's coming in, but mm. I just I just wished I could have done it like that uh, Camp Krusty. Or next yeah. week we have Mister Black. <laughs>
coming in to, to the studio. Actually, oh, well, no, no. If you say next week we have. Next week we have. Mr. Black. Coming into the studio. Yeah. That's how it works. And yeah. I'll fix that up in uh, post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, uh, you'll, you'll be saying Mr. It'll Black. It'll be my voice. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be your voice. Saying- It'll be my voice over Ross's over your, instead of yours. I, I, it already was your voice instead of mine. No, no, the Mr. Black bit. Yeah, it already was your voice, as far as people know. Apparently, we're indistinguishable. Indistinguishable. I'm Alan Coulter. I'm Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. Sorry, it's a Dave reference. Yeah, but you're you know out. how they, it's they too do late. stick on the when they do the reruns. It's too late. You're Alan Coulter for like the last. It's six too weeks. late. I bet you the audience is missing our live rambling commentary and, and not enjoying this pre-recorded one at all. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyway, thanks so much for for listening to the summer edition. Next week we will have another interview for your ears.